In the Ring with Eusebius Makaiser. Eusebius Makaiser. So welcome to another edition of In the Ring with me, Eusebius Makaiser. As you know, this week is Anti-Racism Week and I really want to thank you for hundreds and hundreds of downloads of my short audio clips this week. It's an experiment that Abel and I are running to see whether shorter clips that raise a couple of issues of general interest may be of some value to you. You are used to longer form audio journalism from me on this podcast and uh, I don't think the first three days we've gone over 15 minutes. It's been ranging between 9 and 15 minutes. If you've missed any of it, I suggest that um, after you've listened to this episode that you go and listen to the others. They raise some questions that you may want to discuss over dinner, over the water cooler, with friends, debate, agree or disagree with me about on social media. On Monday, I raised and engaged the question, are all white people racist? Do all white people benefit from anti-black racism? I answered no and yes, respectively. If you want to know the details, simply download that episode. It's only nine minutes. And then on Tuesday, I read from Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper and I essentially made the point that the fight for racial justice is important but must not be singular. It intersects with questions of class oppression, linguistic oppression, gender oppression and if you are not as upset, for example, by the patriarchy as you are by racism then you're not truly committed to the fight for justice so that was tuesday's edition if you want to know the details again go and download it i think that episode was about 13 minutes or thereabouts and then the march continued yesterday in which i answered the question how can you be a useful white ally in the fight for racial justice. What to do, what not to do. And that supplemented Monday's discussion. For the next five, 10 minutes or so, and I'm in a car on my way to dinner. So if you hear natural sound, it's um, the sound of middle-class privilege. Um, I wanna answer the question, or raise an issue rather, more than answer a question. That is an issue for us as black people. To think through. So close your ears as a best white. I want to provoke an intra-black conversation. I don't know whether the driver is going to contribute to the conversation. But there's a concept that my cousin Rurik McKayser, note not McKayser, McKayser, I know he's going to listen to this clip, is very fond of and it is internalized oppression. And I thought that today's little nugget is to talk about a feature of white supremacy and anti-black racism that is really painful to acknowledge, which is why I think we seldom go there as black people. Ways in which we have internalized falsehoods about ourselves that diminish our humanity because of the power and the success of white supremacist stereotypes and tropes about us as black people and internalized oppression is when you take it to be true of yourself 
those nasty things that have been said about you, about us as black people. And even when you don't think you've internalized oppression, you might be surprised at the different ways in which it manifests. And um, I want to keep this as practical as possible and also short because I want you to do the work. And also I'm going to be getting out of the car pretty soon, so I want to cut to the chase. Um, do you think you've got internalized oppression? I'm asking my boyfriend that question. If I think about it for myself, the ways in which it manifests, and it's, it's a difficult one because some of the examples are ambiguous and a white person with FOMO is going to say, but I also go through that, so it's not like specific to black people, but it is the patterns that matter, the frequency with which black people experience it, the fact that you're more likely as a black person to experience it. And remember what we've done the whole week so far is to analogize from race to gender. It's the same with the gender question. There's some some experiences that men will have that doesn't mean the patriarchy doesn't exist. The exceptions don't prove the rule necessarily. And so for me, one example of internalized oppression is something as seemingly simple but it really is very deep as thinking that I'm dumb and not worthy of a particular job or I'm not capable when I had a family member of mine I need to give her a call back um, who is brilliant academically and who genuinely struggles with imposter syndrome which is that nasty feeling that you're going to be busted as an imposter who doesn't belong in the job that you're currently in even though you've got the receipts literally and figuratively to show that you deserve to be there now that nasty sense that you're not good enough you don't belong there it's a fluke the examiners made a mistake HR and the people committee made a mistake to give you a promotion I think at the base of that you don't need to be Dr. Phil to see the links at the base of that are all those horrible tropes about our capability and what we deserve as black people. We don't routinely go into classrooms. I certainly didn't, giving my age away here. I hope things have changed. I'm not even sure if they have. Where you see pictures of black people who are successful. The first time I was even taught by a, to use South African language, black African academic was midway through university. Professor Mpeke taught me contract and he was the only one. Um, all, my, all my teachers in high school were white. So at a psychological level, your, your exemplars of success are racialized. And so, of course, by the time you get the appointment you wonder whether you're worthy because you're not supposed to be the HOD you're not supposed to be the head of the sneaker shack expanding an empire maybe if your dad is super rich and you're a 30 year old who owns it you don't have the same issues but this thing runs so deep that I think 
there's even limited class protection for black people because even when you imagine yourself to be immune to internalized oppression it just resurfaces when you when you are least aware of it the other ways in which it surfaces um i was hoping my boyfriend would talk here but he's very silent is how we end up thinking the same things about each other as black people that we berate racist thinking about us sometimes it's comical and quote-unquote innocent but sometimes there's a depth of tragedy to the innocence i'll give you an example example of that that played out in my complex there is there are a couple of families in my complex that are wonderful and we all we all get along very well in that suburban kind of way we don't visit each other but the greetings i think are at least authentic and i was walking on my way to catch an uber at the gate uh, passing the garage door where the son of one woman in my complex was on his phone and as he turned towards me he literally jumped in the air and he's black and we had a big laugh about it because I said to him are you scared of black people and again it's a complicated example because those of us who are in denial will want to say things like yeah but you live in a majority black country statistically most people who are criminals are black just demographically it is rational for you to respond to a black body differently to a white body just in terms of the odds but he has seen me a million times it's a reasonably secure-ish area and there was nothing about me that suggested criminal until proven otherwise but I've got the same fear I am far more comfortable if I look over my shoulder later tonight when we drive back home and there's a white person driving behind me rather than a black person I'll be less anxious so we hate being criminalized we hate it when the security guard watches us in the shopping mall and yet we police each other don't we and that's another example of reproducing those racial tropes i'm going to leave it there and i want you to play with those examples some of it has to do with self-shame imposter syndrome some of it has to do with othering other black people even when there are no white people around and this is the power of internalized oppression the point of internalized oppression is that you don't need members of the quote-unquote oppressor group to be physically present in order for the consequences of the history of oppression to still be present because that history can linger long after the last white person has gone back to Europe and I think we sometimes are so desperate for racial justice that we don't puzzle through the enormity of the challenge in terms of what it will take to truly get there and i guess on a parting shot what i'm what i'm what i'm suggesting is that if you are black and listening to this podcast there's a conversation to be had with other black people about the extent to which we have internalized
false beliefs about ourselves as a result of racism.